Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey y'all, it's football time here in Tennessee once again. So I had to wonder, what is Football Morning in America, NBC Sports, NFL writer, legend? Peter King, what does he think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Hey, y'all. Thanks for checking out the Chase Thomas podcast. If you are not already a subscriber and this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys checking out uh, what we've got cooking here on the program. Um, If you enjoy what you hear today, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. New episode, new content every single day. Tennessee Vols, Atlanta sports guys, sports reporters assemble, NFL, NBA, college football, all that and more right here on this feed each and every day. Your favorite writers, analysts, personalities in the space on this very feed every day. So if you like that, you like the best national sports talk with a local flavor outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, then this is the show for you. So make sure you're locked in on your preferred podcast player. And if you're already a subscriber, you know what I'm about to say. But if you could, please leave this show a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you're listening. I promise you it helps this show continue to grow, helps other people find the show, and all that good stuff. So if you could take a second today and you're already a fan, you love the show, tell a friend, family member, coworker, whoever about the Chase Homes Podcast as we get bigger and bigger each and every day here in Tennessee. I would greatly appreciate it. Five-star review or five-star rating. Write a review. I promise it helps in a major way. Takes a second. Hit that pause button. Take care of it today. And uh, yeah, we greatly appreciate it. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, My nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, where the sky is falling, everything's about money, money this, money that, food city this, food city that, 
everyone's up in arms. Vol Twitter can't handle it. The the jokes about Kroger Field, they have to be retired because yeah. Look, Thompson Bowling Arena at the, the Food City Center. It rolls right off the tongue. It's succinct. It's short to the point. And it's something that every single fan is going to say when they are going to a Tennessee basketball game during the winter months. It's like, hey, are you going to go catch that game? And they say, where? You know, over at Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I love Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. That is what normal people and normal ball fans are going to say. Should it be a big deal? Absolutely. Could they just say TBA like nothing ever happened? No, that's too easy. It's better to be upset. It's better to care about something that doesn't matter. That is what we all agree with. And to talk only about that and this name change and the $20 million that will go to Tennessee over the next 10 years, Ryan Shumpert of Rocky Top Insider is here. Ryan, good evening. How are you? I'm doing well. You shortchanged it because it's the summit Mm. at Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. That's true. I think there actually might be a riot if Neyland Stadium ever got something in front of it. I genuinely don't think the city could handle it. I think it would, there'd be protests. It'd be the silliest thing to protest and explaining it to people anywhere else around the country would be really hard, but it's like, you you don't get it. But like, this is sacrilegious. This is actually worth uh, being like, we're not going to a game. We're not, we're, we're, you're not doing this. (laughs) You just see people like strapping themselves to kneeling where they're like, you're not getting past our, our our gates. I don't know who it will be. Maybe it's the squirrel guy. Maybe, maybe he does it. I don't know. Uh, There's a lot of choices there. Uh, Jack Foster of always college football. Also here back in Knoxville for his final collegiate semester, exhausting his eligibility, his collegiate eligibility. How are you, sir? What about the T double A F double C T double A F double C? Can we get down with that? I mean, that's it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. I don't anyway, know. I'm doing well. That, that's what I was thinking of the whole time is how to create a better nickname for Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. So well, people say T double S double A when they talk about TSSAA, which right. I was like, double S double A. Yeah, that that's not double A F double C. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. That's not bad. I can get it. I can you gotta get, get clever with it, Chase. Come on. I look. I I do a lot, Jack. Don't give put more on my plate. You're the here. host of the show. You you've had the time to think of this. <laughs> All right, Jack's out. We'll come back to Jack later. <laughs> Ethan Stone of Saturday Down South is also here. He's well rested. He's uh well caffeinated, and he's ready to go for a three and a half hour show. Ethan, how are you? I'm doing great. Well caffeinated, uh, as Chase alluded to earlier. I. I'm doing well. As for the TBA name change, I'm just going to act. I'm, I'm going to do the same thing that I do with the Star Wars sequels. I'm just going to act like they don't exist. So I'm just going to say it's TBA. <laughs> I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to think about Food City. I, I'm just acting like it doesn't exist. It's gonna, just going to be TBA to me. Um, and also, everyone can exact. It can act like that. <laughs> it's not going to affect your life one bit. I promise you, it doesn't matter. That is such a weird thing to be annoyed about with everything else going on. I just imagine someone just angrily stomping into Litton's like, I can't believe like I I just can't like dinner's ruined and the kids are like, dad, why are you so mad? And he's like, you wouldn't believe what the what the Vols did today. And they, like, I just it's just amazing to me. I'm like, oh, what? there's so many other things to be mad about. That's not something that uh, I would be mad about. Um, Something I would be mad about now. There's uh, there's not a transition here because this is a happy time. This is a happy portion of this very program because Jordan Ross this week 
five-star edge commits to Tennessee out of Estavia Hills, Alabama. Ryan, when you look at this get for Tennessee, um, arguably the biggest commit thus far uh, for the Vols and kind of the biggest surprise, I would say, um, based on where his recruitment had been, how actually big is his recruitment and would you rank it above Mike Matthews in importance for this class? No, I wouldn't rank it above Mike Matthews. I wouldn't Hmm. rank it above Bennett Warren. I guess I'd have it third. I'm not, you know, it's a good get, don't get me wrong, but it is a spot Tennessee's recruited extremely well and already has a lot of, maybe not in this class, but the the two classes prior, they they landed two top 100 guys. So they have a ton of talent in that spot. And I think Jordan Ross has the potential to be a really good player at Tennessee, but I don't see him as a guy that also comes in day one and makes a huge impact. So it's a good get. It's a good get because, like we've talked about on this podcast in the past, this cycle by landing top defensive linemen. So it's big to land him. And it really, to me, it felt like Tennessee emerged kind of in July when it kind of was clear Alabama wasn't going super hard at him. And Florida, I think, at least slow cooled their recruiting on him. And at that point, it kind of felt like, all right, the sooner he does something would be better for Tennessee. But to your point, I felt like it just had the vibe of this is one that's going to stretch well into the fall. Auburn, LSU, you know, other people will come be players and Tennessee will have to fight it off. But a really good job by Rodney Garner and Josh Heifel and the staff of shutting it down and getting it over with here uh, before the season kicks off. Jack, when you look at uh, this class to this point um, and the remaining targets, uh, the big six uh, left over here, but when with Jordan Ross off the board with their edge group that uh, Ryan alluded to with just the depth they've built there, what uh, where, where are your eyes? Where are you most fascinated among the, the back end of this recruiting class? Yeah, just looking at the class, where am I most fascinated of who's in the class right now, not what's left to come? Uh, no, well, you can do both. You can do both. Um, well, I guess if I look at this class, um, you know, the, I'm going to lump together the wide receiver position here because, you know, I'm really intrigued by Mike Matthews and to see how he, you know, becomes a wide receiver in Tennessee's offense. I know he can, you know, play both, but Tennessee recruited him to play wide receiver. So I'm curious to see how that pans out and how good he can be at Tennessee. And then, of course, Wingo's commitment as we move along here. It feels like that may be shifting more towards Texas, and Tennessee might be out on that. So, um, you know, if Tennessee loses out on Wingo, I don't think it's a big deal or anything like that. But when you're looking at this class, I'm really intrigued by the offensive skill position players they picked up, most notably Matthews, and, of course, you know, some of these defensive guys. It just feels like a complete class, in my opinion. Ethan, what do you think? Are you pretty pretty okay with how Tennessee has prioritized positions and where they are at depth-wise? Or is there a position that you're looking at when you look at this 2024 class that you're like, I still would like them to go more here, or this position is still an area of need I have going into next season? Not not really anymore. And and that's that's only if you're talking this specific class, this specific cycle, the, the 2023, 24, or 2024 anyway. Mm-hmm. Um and that, that's just, I mean, we were talking about Bennett Warren a couple of weeks ago and we say we don't have, Tennessee does not have, you know, the big uh, guy that can kind of anchor the uh, the offensive line. Then you go, you get Bennett Warren, you get a top receiver like Mac Matthews to go along what you already had in Staley. So you got two weapons now for, for, uh, for Hypel, his system, uh, quarterbacks, a, a system that is known for, for being quick on offense, you know, spreading the field, all that. And then you add the, the Ronnie Gardner part, uh, the, Ronnie Garner's piece for the 2024 class, which 
you know, you, you had recruited well in, in the past, but I mean, Kellen Lindstrom was the best thing you had on the defensive lineup until, I don't know, a week ago. And he, he's just, you know, a high, high three-star guy kind of fringe, you know, on that, on that spectrum. And obviously three-star guys matter. I mean, Cedric Doman's a perfect example of that, but you know, getting a five-star, it's always going to like, five stars there's not many of them there's like 30 35 of them in the entire country so to be able to pick up a, a athlete with that type of talent and, and jordan ross i think that's a good addition it, it's certainly enough to uh kind of as your question pointed out to round things out so where i mean i if, if you look at the top tendencies class you got a five-star receiver a five-star edge and then a high-end four-star offensive tackle the being able to spread that out i think is a good thing so you're not you know top heavy in one area or, or lower in another I think for me, I would still feel a little bit better if there was another big DB in this class. Like we'll see Boo Carter, probably going to be a safety. Marcus Gorey Jr., probably, it seems like a corner um, in this group. And then you have Caleb Beasley, who should be really good and uh, is off to a good start at Lipscomb and just a lot of talent on that Lipscomb team. And that was a pretty intense one with uh, Vol commit on Vol commit crime uh, last week with uh, Spillman knocking out uh, Jonathan Eccles, who looks like he's okay. But um, I just look at it. I think Ryan, you were right with Bennett Warren is a big one for this class. Like if you get Jordan Seaton, maybe Bennett Warren's not as big of a linchpin because you're like, okay, we got two. Now you're feeling really good. Um, and if you get to that point, I you just if you're involved in like I think this would be Heupel's best class, and it's not even particularly close. If you end up with two premier tackles in this group and some big edges and a five star receiver, you're like, man, it's really hard to find any any holes to poke at this point with what Heupel's doing. I think for me, the one I still have circled is Chris Cole because they talk about the depth and the depth is better this year at Tennessee, but Aaron Beasley's gone. Keenan Peely's gone next year. And Aaron Carter will slide right in, but like T Lander will see, but T Lander still might just be a rotation guy. Um, we'll see what happens with Jalen Smith. Jordan Burns seems like, like you don't have the plug and play outside of Aaron Carter. And I think you would feel really good if you, are able to do Edwin Spillman, who I think is going to be a dude and just looks like a game wrecker with Arian Carter, with Jeremiah T. Lander and a Chris Cole. Then you're like, that's Elijah a pretty... Herring's the guy you're forgetting. I mean, Elijah's yeah. fine. He's just, he's, he's not going to be a starter. I don't think ever at Tennessee. I think he's going to be oh, a, that's a depth guy. He'll always be a third guy. He's got to get some gloves. He's got to get some armbands. <laughs> he's got to get, he's, he's still just going with just no gloves. The appearance just doesn't work for me. Doesn't give me a starter vibe. You don't like the the forty four and the. I, I like no, I spirit. like the forty four. I'm saying his arms are bare. He doesn't wear any gloves. Nothing on his arms. It's just, it's it's very old school. It's very troubling. Some troubling choices. Hard I can't get on board. <laughs> can't do it. I mean, can't I'm do I'm I don't see him as like a guy that's going to be an all SEC level player. But to say he's going to be like a, a permanent backup in his career, I just disagree with. And you know. But Look, do you think with Aaron Chris Carter Cole, next year and him coming in and T Lander being where he is, and if you land Chris Cole and Edwin Spillman, that you're still looking at Elijah and Aaron Carter being the two starters in the two deep next year? Him or a, a, or a transfer portal guy? Yeah, not, I just don't I'm think it's ever Elijah. I'm not chalking anybody up to start as a freshman. I mean, Aaron Carter, I think, is extremely developed as a freshman. He's not going to start. Yeah. So I'm not just going to pencil some freshman in. Even you know, Chris Cole, I, I'm with you. I think that's one of the biggest guys left on Tennessee's board. Him and Okoye yeah. probably. I mean, Wingo's a big one too. But again, if you don't get him, I don't think that's the end of the world. But uh, yeah. it just feels like Tennessee has a lot of young talent there. And, you know, you can always go out and they added Keenan Peely last year. I think they could 
easily add a guy to that level again to kind of shore up the depth for one more year if they need to. Yeah, I just, Wingo doesn't bother me. I do wonder, like, should you have spent more time on Amari Jefferson? If you could do it all over again where you're like, he was down the road and he ended up at Alabama. Maybe he ends up at Alabama anyway. But it seems like I remember a few months back, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, that Tennessee was kind of late on Amari. If I remember the reporting on that correctly, that Tennessee was late with Jefferson. And if they were early on Jefferson, maybe maybe this whole thing is just kind of a <laughs> what's going on with Missouri's NIL laws, state laws. Maybe just stay away from the five-star Missouri kids for a little bit because that's a really good pull for these kids, like especially if Wingo winds up in Missouri too, um, with all said and done. like I think that's also, if you're a Vol fan, you're hoping he ends up there with Texas coming to the SEC. Like It's actually great that Williams Winery ended up at Mizzou and not Georgia. Like That's a good thing. Guess what Winery doesn't do? He doesn't scare you at Missouri. You know where he scares you? At Georgia. I'm not concerned uh, with Williams Winery at Mizzou. And you kind of want those five stars to end up. If they don't end up in Vol, orange and white, uh, they ended up in the next best place with uh, maybe one of the worst teams in the SEC uh, going into this year. But um, out of the remaining big hits, though, who would you say is the most important? If I had to go uh, Ryan Wingo, Nazir Smith, out of Grayson, three-star defensive tackle um, out of Grayson, Georgia. You have Chris Cole. You have, I mean, Kai Bates is off the board. Um, Salapega, the tight end from Utah. Jordan Seaton, And let's just throw in Daniel Hill, the guy who's cycling back uh, into this, our old friend Daniel Hill. Of that grouping, Jack, who would you be most want? And who do you think would be the most important to kind of solidify this class? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, you know, I, I like what you guys were saying about Chris Cole. Maybe he makes sense there, but I, I don't know. I don't like, like you kind of mentioned and not mentioned before, I don't see any major holes. I guess if there would be a hole, it'd be along the offensive line. You'd like to see more representation there, but I don't know. I, I don't really have a clear answer for you. I can't, I can't pick one really. Um, I guess I lean Cole though. Is it crazy, Ethan, for me to lean the tight end from Utah, Salapega? Or I'm just like, I'd feel better with one more tight end. I don't want to have to get two transfer tight ends uh, this cycle because that's where Tennessee might have to go if they don't land him. I don't necessarily think that's a crazy take. It's not the first It's not the first person I thought. I, I, I kind of agree with Jack. I'd say along the offensive line and Seton, but I, I don't really think any of them are, are overly, if you don't get them, the class is ruined. I mean, Tennessee has a top 10 class right now. It's... Uh, you said a little bit ago that it's it might be ten, uh, Heupel's best at Tennessee. I'd say it already is. I, I'd, I'd say we're already there. Um, no, I, I'd, well, it's I'd hard for me to Seaton. say that just because Nico is in the other class. If Nico is a Heisman type quarterback, Nico is the okay. most important that, that's, class. Guy. That's fair. That, that's I mean you can you can uh, I guess move those interchangeably uh, just based on how you see. I, th- I think there's more substance, not substance, but for lack of a better term, substance. Uh, and, and I think it's bigger, higher guys, right? Class. More four and five stars in this class than the last class. Yeah. Um, blue chip ratio. Chase's yeah. favorite term. Love mm. the blue chip ratio. Love <laughs> that the balls are going to be back in the blue chip ratio next year. Many, many are saying Tennessee is back unless you're Chris Darn. Continue. <laughs> so bad. But that, that would be my answer to that. It, I, I don't really think any of them are hugely important. I don't know much about this tight end from Utah, to be perfectly frank with you. But I, I would never, ever, ever in my entire life say no to another offensive lineman uh, that can kind of sure Especially up your a tackle. Not just an Especially line. a tackle. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Um, good or bad luck? 
Ryan. Danny White clapping back at Tony Elliott publicly over whether or not he offered Tony Elliott the job. Certainly not a good look. I'm not sure I'd call it, you know, a bad look. It's kind of like what you were saying with the arena change. It's like there's and this is what you got to criticize a guy for. Like he's probably doing a pretty good job. It's not uh, the end of the world, but like why why are you taking that shot? Like Josh Heifel doesn't Josh Heifel's ego doesn't need it. At least I feel pretty confident Josh Heifel's ego doesn't need reassurance that he was the first choice or something. Does Danny White's mm-hmm. ego need it that he, someone would suggest that he wanted to hire a guy that hasn't been very good at Virginia? I don't know. I mean, it, and that's the thing with all this coaching search stuff is it so subjective. I mean, Tennessee, maybe Josh Heifel's the only person that got offered that job. I don't know. Maybe he was. But you tell me if James Franklin's people said James Franklin wants the job, he wasn't going to get offered the job. So these mm. whole things about offering it is so, you know, up in the air and kind of flimsy because you reach out. Like you said, he talked to a bunch of people and a lot of people, higher candidates than Josh Heupel probably told him, I'm not interested. And that's how Tennessee ended it up with Josh Heupel. And there's no shame in that. Danny White, like, Danny White shouldn't be criticized or like, oh, Danny White got lucky. Getting lucky is a huge part of these coaching searches. Nick Saban said no to Alabama, and then seven other teams turned him down. Rich Rod's wife heard someone talking mean on Paul Feinbaum's show when he turned it down, and it's the best thing that ever happened to the University of Alabama. (laughs) So uh, I guess a long-winded answer, you know, I'm not necessarily sure it's a bad look. I don't really know why he felt the need to do it, Uh, but it, you know, adds a little drama to a a season opener that doesn't seem like it's going to have a whole lot of drama on the field. No, I'm already kind of nervous about how the optics of this is going to be because Virginia, it's a, I mean, they're back. They missed the last game for just horrific uh, reasons. They don't play Virginia Tech and their first game back. Like the broadcast is going to be like, this is an awesome story. They're back and what they've all been through. And then it's like 28 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. And Joe Milton throws an 80 yard bomb like right after. And it's like, oh my, the the game's happening. We have to actually play football and Virginia's going to be awful this year. I, I think there's a case that they're the worst team in the ACC. Like it's either them or Boston. Uh, it's, oh no, they'll definitely be the worst team in the ACC. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Probably so it's so. like I it's going to be. I mean, Cal and Stanford are bad, but Virginia could be the worst team in Power Five. I mean, yeah. they're up there. Like Houston will be bad. Cal and Stanford will be bad, but not, it would surprise me at all. If Virginia's last. Yeah. I think, and that offense is just. It can we also say like the what's weird is like the Clemson coaching tree is an abject, just all time yeah. disaster. Chad Morris, Jeff yeah, Scott, Venables, and Tony Elliott. Yeah. Venables and now if Venables out of the continues gate. Continues to do bad. It's gonna yeah, it's not good. I mean, that's a Bill Belichick coaching tree. Like that is an all time <laughs> just nothing but misses, like all across the board, like all misses. It's kind of wild um, that that's the case. It they is. all should have. St- stayed in clemson um it seems like uh ethan what do you think do you think it was okay that uh, he clapped back publicly or what what was your first reaction to it i had a very similar reaction to ryan i think i just i don't see like i mean if it's like florida or something like that like you know, if it's like billy napier or something like that i could I kind of i i me personally if i was the athletic director of tennessee which i'm very much not i wouldn't have tweeted it i just don't see much of a positive from it but at the same time, like this is this is Virginia we're talking about. It's not like Tennessee's going to go wipe the floor with Virginia. You don't you don't really need to dunk on their head coach at the same time. Just just I don't know my two cents there. But to be brutally honest with you, I don't have a huge take on it. So that, that's that's where I'll leave it. It wasn't Tony like, Elliott was also pretty nice. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. like his he was asked he was asked about it in a press conference. It was like Tennessee's a great job. It's a blue blood. Happy for yeah. Josh. He's done a fantastic job. Just didn't feel like it was the right time for me and my family. Like he didn't say anything yeah. controversial. It, it gave the, me a very conference. weird vibe. I, I agree 100%. It's like, okay, but like, I, I don't know. If, if, it almost felt like if I, I can't say this, like so I'm going to. Yeah. yeah. You, know. you know what it felt like? Danny White's been at Tennessee for three years and he has been able, and they've won a lot of all across the board that it was like kind of a puff the chest out type thing. Like, why are you bragging about that, my man? Like, we made a great choice. We're winning a lot of football games. Things are awesome. Why are you talking about this? Why are you answering questions? That's that's the vibe I got um, there. Uh, <laughs> Um. Yeah. So, <laughs> um. God, I love a good live reaction on the uh, the video show on youtubecom slash podcast Don't be a goober, Chase. Don't be a goober. I, I I will not be a goober on this very show. Um. Jack, position preview. What do you make of this year's wide receiver depth? Because we had this week Joey Halsey talking about they trust five or six guys which is pretty interesting like i think the rotation's happening i think we're going to see um more guys than not and i think they're gonna have to prioritize caleb webb and Chaz nimrod a little bit more because they're looking at the depth chart next year brew's gone dante's gone ramel's gone like they have a starting job walking into it and you might think well why would they ever entertain leaving they look at the room next year they should lead it but Mike Matthews is coming in. Nathan Leacock will be a sophomore. He'll be pushing for a starting job. I mean, you need to kind of throw them a bone because when you talk about they've had this great camp and great summer, I just, in the nature of the modern college football, I just think you're going to have to get them involved. And I think that's kind of where I'm leaning is that we're going to see way more rotation at that spot than we've seen in years, years past. What do you think? Well, I, and we've talked about this before. Yes, I agree with you that it would be good to get Nathan Laycock and Caleb Webb, you know, these guys some playing time so that they don't leave to make them happy. But also, when push comes to shove and you're in SEC battles, you're going to have your best players on the field. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're going to have your top four guys on the field as much as possible, and that is Squirrel and Dante in the slot, of course, with Brew and Ramel outside. After those four, it's a big drop-off to me. I think there's a clear top four. And I struggle with, you know, outside of Brew, who's going to become that second guy. I've, I was leaning Squirrel just because of his Orange Bowl performance. I was thinking Squirrel was going to make the second biggest impact at wide receiver this year. Now I think it may be Dante Thornton. And, you know, certainly if he gets more playing time than Squirrel, I think that's a very high possibility that he could lead Tennessee in receiving across the board. Um, he's looked great in fall camp. I think the ceiling is through the roof for him. Um, he's fast and he's big. Of course, he – you know, checks all the boxes. I'm expecting big things out of Thornton this year. And just to answer your original question, I love the depth. The depth is great. Uh, I think it's actually a little bit underrated in the SEC. I think so too. And I, it is interesting. I saw someone say that like Dante Thornton is probably going to lead the balls and touchdowns. And let me that just would go be ahead. one Ryan Shumpert. Was that you, Ryan? Okay. I didn't say it. I don't know if I'm the one you heard say it, but yeah. Well, uh, if it is, it might have been you. I just, there's a lot of content I'm feeling. And I just, uh, I should write down when I hear stuff where I'm like, Ryan this week said, interesting. I'll talk about it. Um, but if that's the case, Tennessee is going to win a lot of games. If Dante Thornton leads this team in touchdown receptions, that means we're looking at close to what they did last year because that's like a Jalen Hyatt type situation where he absolutely is 
absurd in the slot because he's going to split time with squirrel like if he leads this team in touchdowns that means they ate a lot and they feasted on teams a lot would you agree ryan not necessarily and i think my bet all right you even what do you think (laughs) (laughs) i'm not speaking right (laughs) i'm I'm betting on the fact that dante thornton plays some out wide too that's what Mm. i'm betting on and i think tennessee's receiving touchdowns are going to be pretty balanced at least especially compared to where they were last year like i just don't see one guy that's going to be a dominant touchdown guy we've already seen it in half a season not even half a season like two games and then maybe another game worth of uh mop-up time where squirrel white catching joe milton deep balls is knocked to the ground inside the five yard line which i think is going to hurt his ability to get touchdowns brew mccoy is not really a big play guy so i think he's gonna be pretty reliant on the red zone touchdowns i think he'll probably get a, a good couple and is kind of in the middle but i don't see him as a guy that's going to be knocking on the door 10 touchdowns either so i could see a path to what you're saying and if Dante Thornton plays exclusively in the slot, you're probably right. If he leads the team in touchdowns and is playing exclusively in the slot, Tennessee's offense is going to take very little step back from last year. But I can also see a scenario where he leads Tennessee in receiving touchdowns with like seven or eight touchdowns, and you have you know three more receivers within three or four and touchdowns. All four of them five. Just, yeah, all yeah. four of them get five, and it's just pretty evenly dispersed. If Ramel led the team in touchdown receptions, I think that'd be the biggest surprise. I don't, yeah, I think that'd just be a coincidence if that ends up happening. Like, wow, mm-hmm. Ramel Keaton won, uh, left the team and receiving yeah. touchdowns? That's crazy. Oh, yeah, he had three that one game. Yeah, okay. It'd be something like that. It would have to it's be. It's not because. Like, yeah, I could see him leading in maybe catches. I could see him maybe. I still lean Brew there, but yeah. I wouldn't be, like, that wouldn't shock me. Even yards wouldn't shock me with Ramel, just because Joe and him are comfortable on all the deep shots and I could see um, him playing enough. Like Ramel is going to be targeted a bunch. Um, I just, I kind of lean Brew. Brew is such a safe guy. And he's so lean now where I'm like, I don't know if that's good, but Brew. And then you read, I didn't realize that, that he was a, he was recruited as a D, uh, D end originally. <laughs> and then he became a wide receiver. You don't see that very often. Um, I think Brew is just going to gobble up touchdowns. I think he and Joe are just going to be really good in that regard. Well, speaking yeah, I, of that, I, Jordan I, Ross caught a touchdown tonight. Did he? <laughs> yeah. On a little I love out. that. I have a friend uh, who went to Tennessee, was friends with him in school, and he lives in Birmingham now. And he's he's at the game tonight, Vol Polo oh. on, tucked into a ball, to a shirt or to a khakis with a Vol belt. He says, I'm going to try to get these people thinking I'm a coach. Mm. <laughs> well, I'll be uh, tailgating at Loudon for Loudon, Lenore City tomorrow morning. I'm parking at 7.30, get ready uh, <laughs> and see the vibe, and we'll see what it looks like uh, for Loudon, Lenore City. Got to get there early. You never know. Um, I will not be there at that game tomorrow, but it's going to be a good game. Good rivalry. I just won't be there. I'll be at a different game. Um, Of course not, but, Ethan, if the Vols beat Georgia, how do they do it? If that's what happens this year. What do you think is the reason, the biggest reason as to why Clairvoyant Ethan thinks Tennessee actually beats Georgia? I think if Tennessee beats Georgia, they will have to get way more pressure on Carson Beck than Tennessee did against Stetson Bennett last year. Um, I think, I mean, Georgia's, Tennessee fans, I feel like are going to wish that the Vols and Georgia played earlier in the season than they do because, I mean, Carson Beck is going to have so much time to learn against for the most part, fairly not easy, but a fairly tame schedule. And I I just, I think he's going to have a lot of time to get really comfortable and that's not a good thing for Tennessee. 
because, I mean, the defense is going to be as good as ever. It honestly might even be better than last year. I mean, they returned like seven or eight guys. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. They got a lot of returners from one of the better defenses like ever across the past couple of years here. And nothing's going to change there. But Tennessee's offense at the same time is always going to give you a shot. It's just you kind of have to hope they have a little more firepower than they did last year. And being in Knoxville, they probably will. They'll have the fans. They won't have people screaming at them, you know, all that. Um, but Tennessee's just got to – you got to fight the one weakness, and I say that with air quotes, that Georgia has. And more – more less than a weakness, but more just like kind of a question mark is Carson Beck, I feel like. He's, he's, he's the one thing – on on <laughs> what are you laughing at? Chase <laughs> just started like <laughs> continue. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to look at this. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> but but I, I think if, if Tennessee does end up winning, which I, I don't think they will, I, I think Georgia's uh, gonna be just as danger dangerous as they was as they were. But I, I think if they do end up uh, figuring it out, it's going to be because of, it's going to be because of the pass rush. They're mm-hmm. them. The Vols are going to be able to get to him, uh, kind of rat, rattle him a little bit, and, and hopefully kind of throw him off his game a little bit. But because it's so late in the season, I'm just not sure they're going to be able to do that. What do you think, Jack? If they end up winning this game, why do you think we talk about it that week after? Why do you? Why do we think? Why do you think we they do it? Yeah, giving Joe Milton a clean pocket, I think, mm. is you know very, very important in this game. Uh, it surely was important last year if Tennessee was going to win that game. Uh, but this game is going to be won in the trenches. I think Ethan made great points um, about Tennessee's pass rush, having to get home, make Carson Beck, make some mistakes, um, You know, certainly more so than they did last year. But I think more so Tennessee's offensive line needs to show up and needs to keep Georgia at bay and give Joe Milton time in a clean pocket to do what he needs to do. And, you know, also just I'll throw this one out there too, just keeping up with Georgia's speed. I don't think we talk enough about how Georgia's offense got more playmakers at the wide receiver position and, you know, Rara Thomas and Levette, and they still have Lad McConkey who's can blow right past you. Oh, no, oh, the best, you know, weapon in all of college football uh, at skill position wise is Brock Bowers. So, you know, but they didn't got do dudes anything on against Georgia last year. It wasn't against like Tennessee. Yeah, it, I, mean, it, I don't care. I don't yeah. care about last game. I just know who Brock Bowers is, and I know yeah. the damage. Yeah, he can why, do, why so. does last year's game matter? Yeah, I just think that the linebackers are going to be better, and I think Tennessee's defense will be a little bit better. So I'm not. I don't know. Well, Georgia I, ran the ball every play of the second half because the game was over. So and they won't be able to do <laughs> that. Like they had to empty the clip to beat Tennessee last season. But they're not going to have the backs this year. They definitely don't have the horses. Branson Robinson out for the year uh, was probably going to be their lead back. Yeah, Kendall will Milton's be never healthy. I still think they Georgia the is line to run a plug and play. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. I don't think it's going to be as... Everything about this offseason for Georgia, I don't think it's going to be that clean. I think it's a downgrade from Stetson to Carson. I think we're going to see what that looks like. I think they're going to be way more pass-happy than they've been in the last couple of years. I think Kirby's yeah, going to be kind of annoyed with that. I think it's a drop-off from Monka to Bobo. I don't think it goes from like 1 to 40 in scoring efficiency, but do I think it goes from like 2 to 9, 2 to 11? I could see it somewhere around there where it's like, look, he's going to be okay. Like, I think they'll still be moving him, but like Monken pushed every right button. And I think you can make the case that Monken yeah. was the best offensive play caller in college football outside of Hypel. Like if you want to put Monken ahead of him, I'm okay with that. But I think those two were at the top of their game and we've seen some bad Bobo for the last decade. Like he was bad at Auburn. He was bad at South Carolina. He's bad at the end at Colorado state. It's been a while um, that we've seen a uh, good Mike Bobo. And you ask any Georgia fan, 
very all over the place when it comes to Mike Bobo and how they feel about him. It wasn't as like they were really upset when uh, he ended up going to Colorado State uh, many years ago. So I don't know. I don't think it's a just a definite that they roll and that these wide receivers that they never really develop out like the stars, George Pickens and stuff. But like, I'm not really fearing uh, Ra Thomas and company. I'm not really, I don't know. I'm not really there. They don't have the dudes on the defensive line. They'll be solid. It'll be a great defense. Top five defense again. But like, I mean, Michael Williams is a dude. That's fine. Their corners. I mean, Lasseter's banged up. I think Tennessee is going to be able, like, if there's no rain, and many were saying that you remove the rain, last year it goes completely differently. Like, many were saying, like, you would not believe Ryan in the press box. Like, if it stops raining, like, this is when <laughs> this is when the floodgates open for this Tennessee offense. And I was like, I don't know, Ryan. The, it just feels like they don't have an answer for Jalen Carter. But I was like, Ryan, this is you're in the press box. Show some, show some press like, show some decorum. Show some decorum. <laughs> <laughs> no cheering in the press box. But he was just he was adamant uh, in the text thread. Like, no, if it stops raining, um, I think Tennessee gets this thing turned around. Oh, I was like, All right, if that's what Ryan Chumpert at Rocky Top Insider thinks. Then that's what Ryan Chumpert at Rocky Top Insider thinks. Um. Ryan, if you had to explain why t- Georgia ends up losing to Tennessee and Knoxville, is it because Tennessee's had a rocky season and Georgia maybe overlooks Tennessee because it's not as big of a game as it was a year ago, and that's when Tennessee catches them off guard and gets the upset of, of the season? Maybe, and I think to your point there, it just goes along with everything you just said, that Georgia has had such a rocky offseason. I think there are real questions about Georgia, but it's so easy to gloss over them because they play absolutely nobody <laughs> that mm. can even challenge them. So in the sense of, all right, maybe, you know, this game's not for the SEC East. Tennessee would have the talent and the offense to still do it. Uh, I could see that. And, you know, we've talked about that scenario in the past, how I think that is somewhat realistic. And the one thing I would throw out there, and I think Jack and Ethan all made really good points, that's the biggest difference in Tennessee and Georgia right now is the line of scrimmage. That was very evident watching them play last year inside Sanford. It would be Joe Milton just standing on his head and just playing an unbelievable game. It's the great equalizer, and it's go back to how all those inc- all those pre Tua Alabama teams that were built on defense, how they lost is quarterbacks standing on their heads, and usually running quarterbacks standing on their heads and extending plays and making just unbelievable plays. And I think that's what it would have to be: Joe Milton eluding pressure in the pocket and escaping the pocket, making some some plays, something out of nothing. Like he did in the South Carolina game when the game was already over, where he rolls left and throws a 50-yard dart dart down the field, plays like that. Um, And, you know, we talked about it, that pocket presence isn't exactly a thing we think is a huge strength of his, and I would agree with that. Um, But, you know, a handful of plays like that in the best game of Joe Milton's career, I think, is if Tennessee can't do it with the line of scrimmage being as good as Georgia, which that's a really tall task, I think quarterback's really the, the great equalizer. We'll end on this. I thought this would be fun when it comes to Vol football. Jack, your yes. most confident Vol football take about this 2023 team right now. What is it that you're most certain of about this 2023 team heading into next week? Um. Okay. I'm most certain that Tennessee football will be a top I would, since it's most certain, I'm, I'm going to say a top five rushing offense in the SEC. Oh, I'm most certain exactly that Tennessee... what I've in my mind. This guy's good. <laughs> Jack, guy's smart. He's good. There we go. Yeah. Um, 
I was going to say top three, but I, I don't know if I can be most certain about that. I think they have definitely the potential to, but I'm most certain that Tennessee is going to have a lot of success running the football this year with their three-headed monster. I'm very, very excited to watch those guys play. Jack, if y'all don't work together, y'all should. You and Ryan. I should look into it if you're, if you're not already. Ethan, your most confident Vol football take heading into next week is what? What are you most certain of? I, I like that take from Jack. I, I think I don't think you're gonna like this chase. I'm gonna be straight. Oh up. no! I, I I'm I'm trying to go a little bull. I mean, my my like most confident is I really think Tennessee's gonna be sitting at nine and three. That's not the one I'm gonna say though. I really okay. think they're gonna be at nine and three at the end of the year. I don't know why. I think they're gonna lose to Alabama and Georgia, and then they're gonna drop one other that they shouldn't. That's not the one I'm gonna go with here though. The the take I have, uh, slightly bold I think for you is that I think Joe Milton barring injury will be Tennessee's quarterback the entire year. Hmm. I, 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 have been high on Joe Milton for a while now. Uh, I, the end of last year, especially, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I, I just think Milton's going to be really good. I know that's, that's, that's Milton's thing is, Oh my goodness. I'm believing in Joe Milton again, all that, you know, you've heard it a thousand times. I, I don't think Nico's going to see the field unless, unless there's an injury. I, I think it'll be Milton the entire time. Well, I think he's going to see the field. He's going to get some time. I mean, like, like he's, yeah, you know, he might get I the mean, whole second half. You're hundred percent right. I, I worded that poorly. He'll play, 42 he'll, to three. He'll play at the yeah. end of the games. And Tennessee's up by a thousand points, but any legitimate, like Joe Milton did last year for Hendon Hooker, but any legitimate yeah. snaps, I don't, I don't think he's going to take any legitimate snaps this year. Barring injury. I'm okay with that. I think yeah, I totally agree. the thing I'm most certain about is that, Look, this is this is tough for me to say. The thing I'm most certain about is this secondary still sucks. Like I am still I just we talk about the same guys and we're still putting them like we're just moving them around. It's musical chairs where it's like Warren Burrell star. Tate McCullough (laughs) like, oh, Andre Turrentine. He's had a good summer. Great. This is a problem. Kamal Haddon's banged up again. Like he might not start or be ready for the opener. And then you're just going to have these different guys come in and out with injuries and everything else. Everyone's trying to talk themselves back into the secondary. And I'm like, nope, still a year away. I think the secondary is getting cooked week in, week out. Like it will be fine against Virginia and company. But like, I still think this secondary is going to be one of the league's worst. And I think the pass rush will be better. I'm high on uh, the, I mean, whether it's Joshua Joseph, James Pierce, um, I think Roman Harrison could be fine. Tyler Perrin, big year for him. I think they'll be okay in the pass rush. I think the linebackers will be good. The front seven, I think, will be improved. And I think they'll still be a good run defense team. But I think when oh, yeah. people talk about them making the jump defensively, I just, I don't see it with the back end. I still think Tate McCullough is going to play a lot of snaps. Wesley Walker can be a PFF darling, but like, I mean, I just think the corners are still pretty bad. And I don't think Gabe Judy Lolly is going to cover up and fix these issues. Like, it's nice to have a little bit more depth, but I think it's just going to be another season of revolving door uh, at that position. And we're going to be like, oh, God, can we please just get some stability at corner? And I don't think it's coming until next year. I think we're on the right track. There are some good players in the pipeline. Um, They're getting more talent there, but I don't think it's this year. And I think Tennessee fans who are expecting a jump there um, are going to be disappointed because I think the pass defense is still going to be a major issue all season long. Ryan, I, for, I forgot to ask you, who are your uh, starting quarterbacks in your depth chart projection? Uh, in the slaughter. 
Patton and Slaughter. Okay, I, I knew you had Slaughter. I couldn't remember who the other guy was. So no Gabe Judy Lally. No, I mean I had him in too deep, and I, I'm with Chase. I mean it's I think he'll play because I don't think they've had any separation yeah. Yeah. at corner. Yeah, they haven't had separation at corner, and it's hard for me to think they're going to be that much better. The one guy, guy that Chase mentioned that I would put in a different vein is Turrentine, just because last year we was a you know second year guy in college, his first year at Tennessee. He was a four-star. I think he's a little more athletic. Like, to me, there's a different ceiling there, or at least an unknown to him that we haven't there's seen. There's enough of the an unknown guys. to be optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. I to think, this. okay, I'm maybe he can this. be better. No. no, I'm not doing you this. Can't, for... You can't one player. You can't say Andre Turrentine can now be, maybe be better than Jalen McCullough. Like, that's too much for you, really? I think it's too much. Really? I think it okay. is. Just too much. Can't get there. Can I say yeah, this? Yeah, I mean, I Doesn't generally agree I think with they're you. Both I mean, bad. He's the one guy I would say could be, you know, an upgrade of what they've had in safety because safety really hasn't been. Corner has been a revolving door, and I think we lumped that into the secondary as a whole. Safety has not been a revolving door. It's yeah. just been the same not very good players playing. Well, also, Tamarian McDonald's with been all injured respect. all summer, and then you have Star. Like, what if he's banged up and we have to put Warren Burrell in that spot? And then you're looking at Warren Burrell and the Star – Brandon Turnage maybe uh, at corner one week. Maybe Rucker pops back up and he's a corner because of injuries. William Wright just... working at star. Oh, the, no. The star <laughs> of the Alabama game. Uh, star, no. I, think, I think it had him third string on the depth chart at star. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm not there. I think folks who are like, it's a little bit better. Hey, it's progress. But I just, I think it's going to be an issue. And I'm also going to go ahead and say, folks, 11 and 1 wouldn't surprise me. Two things wouldn't surprise me. 8 and 4 and 11 and 1. Nine and three and ten and two would surprise me. I think Tennessee either goes all the way in or all the way out. Where I'm gonna either love this season so much or I'm gonna hate every single week. And we're gonna do this pod and I'm gonna be like, fellas, do you want to talk about anything other than the Tennessee football team this week? And then we're, you're gonna be like, no, we're talking about the Vols. And then Ryan's gonna be like, look, back last year in Athens, I'm telling you, the rain shuts down a little bit. Balls are back in. And I'm like, Ryan, you got to move forward. You've got to move forward. No cheering in the press box. Um, not only is Chase not letting me answer the last question, he's just putting putting words in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. And my answers, uh, since everybody had good answers, I agree with all of them. Uh, oh, I thought you agreed with better. Jack. I just, I moved on. I didn't. I, you yeah. said that was your answer, so I that didn't. Was, think you yeah, that was my that was my answer. But I was as a you know esteemed guest of the chase thomas podcast i had your uh, co-host you're not really a guest y- y'all aren't yeah. guests y'all are co-hosts co-host on the big orange friday uh yeah. i come up with uh, another answer and that was that i okay. do think i don't know by how much i do think the pass rush will be better to some degree okay. who do you think leads the team Especially if they can, uh I, i'm big in justice okay yeah i mean i i we talked about this on the RTI podcast. We did predictions for every single statistical category. Go check it out. Uh, I took, yeah, shameless plug. Uh, I took Roman, but uh, I, you know, Josh Josephs, I think would be the ideal answer for Tennessee. Like if you ask Tennessee's coaches, who do you want to be the leader in sacks? They would tell you Josh Josephs because his ability to at least flirting in a double, I don't think anyone's going to get a double digits, but his, his chances to flirt in a double digit sack range is better than anybody else. What about you, Ian? Who do I think is going to lead in sacks? Mm. I was thinking Roman Harrison before Ryan said it, so I'll, I'll probably go with Roman Harrison. I think if the Vols had a great year, it's James Pierce. Like if James You're Pierce, such has a like James not, Pierce guy. I love James, James Pierce. Pierce. Look, I'm a. Yeah, it's crazy, honestly. 
I love James Pierce, and I think he is. How is he going to lead the team in sacks if he's behind Josh Joseph, playing the same position as Roman Harris? I don't think he'll be behind him for much longer. I think he's got more upside. I think Joseph's is more, more of the slow and steady wins the race. I still, when I look at Aleo, James Pierce fits the mold for me more. Caleb Herring is the ultimate version of this. Like that dude's just going to be an absolute monster uh, at the Leo spot. But I think James Pierce is just that kind of frame. And he's just the quick twitches and the, the RTI videos that y'all post with the sound with the dude, dude, dude. And he's just, he's got the, yeah, it's, it's great. And I, uh, it's unfortunate, but the guy's the fastest off the edge. He's the biggest. I think he's, he's just the guy. He has that, uh, the, the big sack number kind of profile to me. I think he has the most upside. Do I think he gets there? I don't know. But if he does, that means Tennessee's got a pretty scary pass rush if uh, he leads the team in sacks because he has all the potential in the world. Uh, final thing here real quick, throwing a bone to Ethan Stone for uh, being up this late with us. The basketball guy. The basketball knower himself, Ethan Stone. The, we're continuing on our case, starting for and against. Starting Jonas Idu. Would you start Mr. Adu after seeing what he did in Italy and what Tobe has done all summer long. Would you go small and just start Awaka at the five? Or do you think Adu is still someone who should start for this team? Even before Italy, I've always, I just think Tennessee plays the best at the small and that Tobe would be the best at the five. Do I think he's going to do that? Do I think Barnes is going to do that? I don't know. Um, but the, the case for starting him is that he, he's an excellent shot blocker. I mean, we, we can give that much to him at the very least. He's a good defender. Um, do I think he gives you too much more over having Tobey at the five? Not really, in my opinion. Not not none as a starter, but I, I don't think Barnes has shown anything that he's going to switch that up. Okay, I like it. <clears throat> as I cough for Ryan here, uh, do y'all agree, Ryan? Do you agree that he is still going to start in the best version of Tennessee? Is with Adu? Could he eventually not be the starter as the season goes on? What do you think? I think he definitely, you can see a lot of changes. I mean, Rick Barnes yeah. likes to use that bench as a motivator, and he's going to have less options to do that with the front court depth this year, at least for those guys. So, yeah, I can see that. And I think what Ethan said is right. He, the case for stating, starting Jones to do to me is that he's still a lot better defensively. I still have my questions about walking defensively. Huge fan of what he's going to bring offensively and on the glass. He was lost at times last year, and he wasn't in the best shape. So I think the shape thing won't be a problem this year. Um, and he'll be able to play for longer spurts, you would hope. But you did still kind of see him get tired in stretches against it in, in Italy. So we'll see. Um, the small thing is kind of interesting about it because you're talking about going smaller with a Waka. Well, typically talking about going small, it's kind of an offensive advantage. And I think you do have an offensive advantage, but a do stretches way more than a Waka does. So it's kind of an interesting skill set dichotomy with those two guys of the bigger one who's better on defense also being the better you know, perimeter shooting option. I like it. Uh, Jack, what could the good folks check out from you and the team over at always college football this week? Yeah. Uh, you may hear a car alarm going on. Oh, there it goes. Finally. I didn't hear it. Right outside my apartment, a car alarm going on, going on. So life in the fort. Now it's done. Yes. Uh, (laughs) over at always college football, we have, a lot of interviews that came out this week. Got a Kyle Whittingham interview next week. This week we had David Pollock, Matt Rule, and Stanford Steve on tomorrow's show. So big week. And then tomorrow we got Utah's 
head coach Kyle Whittingham um, ahead of the Florida-Utah game. So a lot going on, of course, week zeros and one day when you guys are hearing this. So let's go. It's college football season. It's here. And then week one will be next week. So a lot going on in the college football world. Absolutely. Ryan Shepard, what about you and the team over at RockyTopInsider.com this week? Yeah, Jack and I this weekend are wrapping up uh, our reviews for the season. So we'll have November there. And then next week it'll be uh, everything to get you ready for Virginia. And then uh, game predictions, season predictions from the team. So kind of the final wrap-up on the uh, off-season stuff. And then full speed ahead into the Cavaliers in the football season. There you go. Ethan, what about you and the team over at SaturdayDownSouth.com? Yeah, we've been ramping up, uh, especially more freelancers the past couple weeks, getting ready for week zero into week one, uh, as Jack mentioned. Uh, three of our teams are, are in action week zero. We got uh, Notre Dame and then Vandy. And then uh, off the top of my head, I think it's USC against San Jose State. So we'll have coverage of them. And then moving into week one, full coverage of that from uh, from our team for all, all four sites. Absolutely. College football, kind of back this Can't weekend. Wait. I'll be ice peeled. I think Notre Dame maybe will be stupid. I think it'll be fun. It'll be ugly. It'll be weird. And no, uh, I'll I could, them, but I'll watch. Uh, I think it'll be fun. <laughs> hey, How about USC San Jose State being on Pac-12 Network? What is that? <laughs> what is that? It is ridiculous. So there's there's going to be a lot of that this year, by you the way. What? There's, there's like that, games uh, on Peacock and all sorts of stuff. It's going to be a big mess, and we're just getting started. I know you can't just wave a magic wand and change where games are going to air, but if I was the Pac-12, like, I'd just like throw everything on the Pac-12 network and just middle finger to everybody because like go out with a bang. Last year, screw all you guys. Can't watch my games. That would be fun. I, I get Williams would love that. <laughs> it was like I, awesome never on tv great this is great for me i get they're playing who cares i get they're playing ut martin but georgia's on espn plus week one do you know that well I think like, a lot of people are on espn plus now well yeah but like the back-to-back national like i don't know i'm not carrying water for georgia here but i just find that ridiculous it certainly like, sounds but, like it i mean if i was a i don't know I maybe a i am programmer maybe i would have georgia on espn plus all season long Outside of the Tennessee game. I don't hate it. I, I, Alabama and Georgia, why not? Yeah, <laughs> Let's like, just throw Florida in there as well. Get them out of here. Offense or get out. Um, Tennessee is mostly television. Many, many know that. Um, well, that is all we've got here on this Go Big Orange Friday edition. Jack Foster, Ryan Shumpert, Ethan Stone. Always a pleasure. And I will talk to you all next week. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.